Welcome to season four of Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where we discuss important matters affecting the rural sector. Aspiring to unlock the potential of the rural economy, the Country Land and Business Association is the membership organisation that provides support and expert advice to landowners and rural business across England and Wales. Hello and welcome to Rural Business Uncovered. With development land being a highly prized commodity these days, landowners with surplus land looking to sell can take advantage of the commercial opportunities offered by housing development. Today we are joined by Avril Roberts, CLA's Property and Business Policy Advisor, and Ed Barrett, Associate Director of Planning at Catesby Estates. Hello to you both and welcome. It's really great to have you here with us today. Uh, before we jump in to today's discussion, let's have some introductions. Ed, tell us about your work. I've been with Catesby Estates uh, nearly seven years now. I'm a chartered town planner by profession. Previously worked in planning consultancy before joining Catesby. And yeah, Catesby, I'm, I'm managing the uh, the planning side of our, our promotion work, which encompasses uh, a wide range of stuff, which I'll uh, probably touch on during the podcast. Fantastic. Thank you, Ed. And Avril, you lead on housing and tourism policy, don't you? Tell us more about that. So the CLA offers uh, members bespoke advice. Uh, So I will offer members that on housing and tourism and a lot of that advice work that we do feeds into our lobbying efforts with government. Um, So yes, that's what that's my day to day. Fantastic. So today we're talking about land promotion. But Ed, how would you define land promotion? Land promoters uh, seek to identify suitable land for future development, then fund all the costs of promoting the land through the planning system with the aim of securing the planning consent at the end. Is most normally by the way of the local plan process, trying to seek an allocation and then obtaining a planning consent by way of a planning application. The time and capital we invest can be significant and in return a promoter will receive a share of the sale proceeds from the sale of the land to a house builder. In this structure, the landowner assumes no risk. It's all on us as the promoter. And Avril, why choose land promotion over another method of delivery? Sure. So we know um, CLA members often struggle to get their sites into the local plan for a number of reasons. One of those is that the site may not be considered sustainable. It might be um, on the edge of a settlement. So what land promotion is really good at doing is taking that long term strategic view um, and working with the planners, with the local community, with the landowner to to get it through the through the planning process. Um, Why over another method of delivery? I mean, there are a lot of options out there. A lot of members will go for an option agreement, perhaps, where they work uh, with the person who will own the site in the end. But land promotion is good because you can retain an element of control over over the process, um, particularly working with someone like Catesby, who do work very closely with with their landowners. Um, So it, it is just another option. Uh, but particularly good for those sort of trickier sites that members may have struggled with before. And have you found that with your work, Ed, you know, you deal with a lot of landowners and have to work with them closely to get the most desired outcome. So is that the case with, with what you do? Sure. We, we very much see um, land promotion as maximising value as both the landowners and promoters' interests are aligned. I and mean, that is both parties are seeking to achieve the highest sale price for the land. As a recent example, we uh, sold a site on behalf of landowners, which have planning permission for 90 homes in Oxfordshire. Um, we received 26 offers, and there's actually 100% variance between the lowest offer and the highest offer, which shows that you know, there is a very wide scale of offers from house builders, and therefore 
the competitive uh, marketing helps helps to identify that that highest offer, which can be beneficial to, to both parties. So that's a, a great example there. But could you talk to us more about the size of sites that you look for? What's kind of the maximum, the minimum, if there is one? Sure. Yeah. I mean, in theory, the promotion model suits uh, all site sizes. KCB Estates typically uh, seeking sites of that can accommodate between 100 and two and a half thousand homes. Um, so yeah, a wide range. But we have sites outside these parameters, depending on their location and circumstances. But there are a lot, a lot of different promoters operating in the market, and each have their own specialisms. Some focus on smaller sites, uh, others larger. So you know, depending on your situation, you know, you you could find that that right promoter for you and if i was a a landowner interested in maximizing value of my land through securing planning permission but my site has been unsuccessful getting into the local plan is it appropriate for for land promotion avril uh yes absolutely so generally uh local plans look for a land supply of five years um so just because your your land has been unsuccessful getting in and in that local plan doesn't mean it will be unsuccessful in the next one the benefit of land promotion is it does take that long term view so it may be 20 years down the line but it it's still it's still possible we also know that local plans are not necessarily set in, set in stone with government policy so we've seen over the past couple of years and more recently months about what the what the future might look like for delivering housing particularly where land supplies in local plans are concerned so just because you've got a piece of land today that hasn't been successful planning doesn't mean that you won't be able to do it later on and that's particularly where a land promoter's experience comes in really well especially if they've worked with a local planning authority before or not if they've just had a similar experience where a site has been unsuccessful it might have been a strategic reason it may have been the site had been suggested before to be not in the right way perhaps so taking a different view of it for the next round of site allocation change the outcome yes and, and you mentioned um earlier about the the importance of that long-term plan so ed talk us through you know what happens if that planning is unsuccessful and the steps that follow sure i mean yeah just just going back to what i was saying that um yeah certainly we, we we come across a number of sites that haven't been successful in getting into local plans and um you know there are constraints that need to be overcome uh, and that's one thing land promoters can do and that we can commit financial resource to addressing those issues. That might be some advanced landscaping that needs to go into screen sites or uh, looking at off-site improvements that need to be delivered. We have a, a site or had a site in uh, Bromsgrove in Worcestershire, uh, quite a large site that was allocated in the council's local plan that was stalled in coming forward uh, because the need for uh, off-site highway improvements. And we actually had to purchase um, a vacant building near to the site, which was then demolished to deliver a new roundabout, which helped unlock the housing. So that's an example of how a site that is stuck uh, and has had difficulties um, we've, we've managed to unlock. But yeah, if you if you had, have had planning uh, refused, then you do have recourse to appeal via the planning inspectorate, which is a government organisation, make an independent decision. Um, but this is a costly and timely process uh, with its own risks. So isn't uh, a magic fix. But it goes back to what Avril was saying as well. Um, you know, planning policy, national planning policy is, is constantly evolving with new governments coming in or seeking to put their own stamp on policy um, and that creates changes. Um, so yeah, uh, just because something has been knocked back uh, doesn't mean that that will be the case forever. The Country Land and Business Association has been safeguarding the interests of landowners and rural businesses since 1907. 
Through membership, you gain influence with government policymakers, exclusive and highly valuable knowledge on rural issues, unlimited access to tailored advice on all aspects of land ownership from experts, contact with specialist rural services and suppliers, and support from providers who understand your needs on insurance, healthcare, and energy. you spoke earlier about the importance of engaging with community how do you successfully engage with the community yeah so we know this is a a really sensitive topic for members um, especially when they quite often live in the community that they own the land in and particularly in rural areas the sites that might go through the land promotion process may be outside of traditionally allocated areas and they can be incredibly emotive for people Uh, so it's it's just getting in there early and, and really listening to what the community has to say. It can be a really, really difficult thing to overcome when there's really strong local objections. It is often emotive rather than planning based, so may not be a material consideration for the uh, for the local planning authority. But that doesn't mean that when it gets to committee stage or even allocation stage that it won't be Um, taken into consideration quite often it's a case of listening to what their emotive reasons are whether that's um, that they have a need for a service whether that's affordable housing infrastructure whether it's they they don't like the traffic (laughs) that's increased into the village or the the school's not um, got the capacity to take it on any more development or it's simply that they they just don't like development so getting in there really under early understanding the concerns so that they can either be addressed talked down but that's not the right way of saying it just sort of um engaged with uh and then if if possible fixed with that development as well but ed can talk more about how specifically um a land promoter would do that yeah ed how important has it been for you having that strong commitment to community engagement and and how much does it come up in your in your work Sure. No, it's it's one of the, the, the major things we do uh, and we pride ourselves on, on doing uh, meaningfully. So, yeah, I spend a lot of my time at parish council meetings, uh, speaking to local councillors and then holding public exhibitions, talking through proposals. And, and yeah, we, we, we try and go as far as possible with, um, with an open piece of paper. You know, we're not presenting a completed scheme that's saying this is what we're going to do to people. It's about, uh, as Avril said, trying to have those early discussions uh, and trying to, where possible, um, deliver facilities or improvements that people want to see alongside new housing. Yeah, we've got a range of approaches we, we can take to that consultation. As I said, we hold public exhibitions, um, but more frequently um, we are, especially uh, post-COVID, doing a lot of things online. So we'll have dedicated websites uh, with all the information about our proposals um, and using social media as well, because you know there is a, a large majority of people, people working, uh, younger people who possibly wouldn't come along to a public exhibition. And actually, their views are are very important as well. Um, so social media is a, a great way of of connecting with them. Uh, so that you've got a really balanced range of views when you're when you're consulting on proposals. And I'd imagine every case is is almost like bespoke, almost has its own kind of um, things to consider. So, for example, if there was a public right away or village green on that land, how do you design around that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that is one an issue that does does crop up very frequently. Public right away uh, aren't too too well. I say famous last words uh, 
can generally be incorporated uh, into the layout of, of new housing. So they're not normally a huge issue. Town or village greens are slightly more um, unique and less frequent, but can be very problematic if a designation is made. And there's a number of measures that, that can be taken to, to help prevent this. It's probably an issue where you're going to need to seek some legal advice. Um, there are various steps you can go through with uh, landowners' declarations, uh, effectively uh, declaring that the land hasn't been used uh, as a village green. But there's also things like uh, restricting access to the public if this is a concern that your your land may um, possibly come as a designation. And signage as well, making clear that it's his private land and people should stick to footpath and, and, and not stray off them. So yeah, it's something that landowners need to be aware of, but there are, there are a number of means that they, they can be addressed. And Avril, in that situation, could I say decide who eventually buys that land? Absolutely. Um Again, it's a, it's a concern that comes up a lot with members, particularly where it might be on the edge of a edge of a community, and they they want to have the landowner wants to retain an element of control over what happens to the the homes that are built. Generally, it's difficult to limit it too much. Um, the more you limit the market, the more you potentially reduce the value that you might see from that land. Uh, so it might be a better option to seek out. If you're if you're worried about certain things, to seek out house builders in in conjunction with your land promoter that can uh, offer, say, good community or sustainability credentials. So there are lots of options rather than limit it. Just sort of have a list of criteria that you'd like to see from the person who eventually buys the land. Ed, did you want to add anything on that one? Yeah, sure. No, we 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 uh, definitely see it as a partnership approach uh, with, when we're working with landowners. Um, and it's not about us saying to the landowner, you must sell it to the highest bidder. As Avril said, build quality and reputation are, are, are important factors as well. I mean, the highest bid for, for a site is irrelevant if the, the purchaser doesn't have the finance to complete the, the purchase. So uh, track record and reputation are, are, are equal considerations alongside the price that's being offered. But yeah, we'll sit down with landowners and evaluate all the offers that have been received. And yeah, we'll, we'll go through them together uh, and, and make that decision collectively at the end. And following on from that, Ed, could they then retain and manage some of the homes? Yes, no, definitely. That's, um, that's something that we, we can we can obligate um, purchasers uh, to do. I mean, typical restrictions that, that we often come across are uh, that the landowners might want to place on the purchaser is providing access to retain land or restricting the, the positioning of new homes in, in relation to any land they're retaining. But yeah, we've had examples of, of more detailed restrictions like retaining properties, so that that, that can that can certainly be done as well. Would you say that's also um, you know something that is important for people to know, Avril? Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of our members would pre- sometimes prefer to deliver sites themselves because they do have that element of control at the end particularly if they if they perhaps want some homes for their employees or they they see a, a community need for those so want to make sure they have an element of control over who who benefits from the homes again there's there's some considerations so some local authorities we know place restrictions on who the affordable housing can be delivered by so some local authorities say that has to be a registered provider that's again it's not a it's not a complete stopper we have had some local authorities that have been more lenient on that there's also options uh if you would like to get around that to work with something like a community land trust perhaps so there are there are definitely options quite often there could be an option to for the land owner to purchase back some of the market homes and then they can of course deliver them as they as they see fit uh, so yeah, as Ed said, there's it's not a one size fits all model. There are lots of different options, um, and it, it's not a oh I'm working with a land promoter, so I've now lost that piece of land forever. There is um, definitely an element of control at the end if if they 
you'd you'd like her to be that's really good to know I'm sure very reassuring for those who are listening who are interested in that I guess securing planning permission is is only half the story so when can you get the uplift in in value and what costs come out of that uplift Ed? So while um, land promoters tend to offer uh, a non-refundable upfront payment at the point of entering into an agreement that's often referred to as a premium the main uplift in value is is crystallized at the point the, the land is sold to a house builder and in terms of uh, the costs that come out of, of the, the sale proceeds, we would agree a cap, uh, you know, an upper limit for deductible costs with the landowner at the point of entering into that agreement. So it's clear from the outset what costs will, will come off. And these are fully transparent. So these are all our costs in terms of employing consultants um, to prepare the planning documentation, uh, the cost of the planning application itself, etc. Um, but they're all records are kept, of course, and you know landowners can see what the money has been spent on. We don't charge any any of our internal time, um, so that that is that our expertise is, is is offered for free, effectively. And any cost above the cap become our liability. So the landowner has that that assurance that that you know only a set level of fees will be deducted at the at the end. But of course, in that position, hopefully everyone's very happy that you know planning permission's been obtained and you're you're, you're on the road to to selling the site and. Uh, crystallising that that uplifting value. Fantastic. Well, massive thank you, Ed and Avril. It's been really fascinating to talk to you about uh, about land promotion today. You've really helped us through it, covering all the ins and outs and key aspects to consider when it comes to land promotion. All the best with your work moving forward on behalf of the CLA. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, cla.org.uk. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you can join us again soon. You have been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode.